The following is a message from Christ the King Presbyterian Church in Roanoke, Virginia. For more information about the ministry of Christ the King, please visit us at ctkroanoke.org. Happy New Year. Happy New Year and welcome. Uh, my name is Andrew Martin. I'm the youth pastor here at Christ the King, and it is my privilege to be able to welcome you and to wish you a Happy New Year. And it is good to be together uh, for the Lord's Day. Uh, our sermon this morning is going to be found from passages in Luke 24 and Matthew chapter 20. So I invite you to go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 24 and to Matthew chapter 20. And if you are new or are visiting with us this morning, over the last several weeks during Advent, uh, we've gone through a series where we've seen how Jesus is our prophet, uh, our priest, uh, and our king. Uh, just this past week, Christians around the world celebrated uh, the birth of Jesus. And this morning, uh, we're going to soak in the truth uh, that Jesus is central to Scripture and that he is also central to the Christian life as we see demonstrated in Luke chapter 24 and Matthew chapter 20. Uh, those texts are going to be displayed above as well, so please follow along as we read together, beginning in Luke chapter 24, verse 1. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. In verse 13, it says, That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. And in verse 27, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he, Jesus, interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Then in Matthew chapter 20, beginning in verse 25, it says, But Jesus called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many." Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, we thank you uh, that you are a good and gracious Father and King and God. We thank you uh, for bringing us here together this morning. And we ask that by your grace, as we immerse ourselves in your word, that you would help us to see you more clearly and grow us to follow you more faithfully. And we ask all of this in the name of our King Jesus. Amen. Well, a few weeks ago, I had a nightmare. I had been cast for a role in a play, uh, and it was opening night. I was standing backstage. Uh, the curtain had been drawn. The lights were shining brightly, and I was about to go out and face the audience. And I was feeling very nervous and very frightened. Now, this is a, a pretty normal feeling for, for any kind of performer. Um, but these, these, uh, this feeling of anxiety and fear was heightened by one critical fact. I did not know any of my lines. Uh, to make it a little bit worse, um, there, it would have been very difficult for me, at least at first, to have tried to improvise or fake my way through the play uh, because I couldn't have even told you what it was about. I, I didn't even know the title uh, of the play. 
And so I was desperately scrounging around trying to find a script that I could take out there with me so that I would not just be stumbling around completely lost on the stage. Now, I uh, imagine uh, that many of us can relate to this kind of experience, except in, in real life. I imagine that we can relate to this kind of thing, especially uh, when it comes to reading the Bible and to our role as we seek to live out the Christian life. Just as I couldn't tell you what play I was in during my nightmare, some of us may pick up the Bible and walk away a little confused at times, wondering what exactly is this incredible book all about? Uh, This can be especially true if we have not grown up uh, being taught the Bible. But but even the most seasoned uh, Christian, uh, someone who has read the Bible for a long time, even they can find their attention drifting away from key truths that show the beauty and coherence of the Bible as one beautiful and true story. And when we look at our own lives, uh, many of us can feel the tension and the frustration that that I was experiencing of not knowing what my lines were. Uh, We can step back and wonder, what exactly is my role here on this earth? Uh, What are my lines for living on this stage called life? And this can be especially acute when we face a tidal wave of all kinds of different messages and proposed scripts from the world around us that bring different opinions of what our lines in life should be. And in those moments, we can find our attention drifting away from key truths that guide how we live on the stage of life. To summarize all of this in another more concise way, it is easy for our attention to drift away from what is central to Scripture and from what is central to the Christian life. But in the midst of this struggle, there is good news. Uh, The good news that the one true God who created and sustains all things does not leave us to stumble around blindly on the stage. Rather, in his loving kindness, he speaks to us in his word, and he brings clarity into our confusion. He brings direction and stability to keep us from stumbling as he draws our attention to crucial foundational truths. We're going to explore two of these truths this morning, and here they are. Truth number one, Christ is central to the Scripture. Truth number two, Christ is central to the Christian life. We discover this first truth, that Christ is central to the Scriptures in Luke chapter 24. Uh, Leading up to this chapter, Jesus had been crucified, and he had been buried But upon visiting his tomb in verses 1 through 3, several of his followers had found it empty. On that same day, in verses 13 through 15, two of his other followers were on a journey. And suddenly Jesus appeared and began to to walk and to talk with them. And in verse 27, we learned that as Jesus talked with these two followers, he shared a central truth about himself and about Scripture. Look with me in uh, Luke chapter 24, verse 27 once more. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Jesus is telling us here that scripture, that the Bible, is pointing to him. Or as he says in John chapter 5 verse 39, the scriptures bear witness about him. Christ shows us in his word that he is central to the scripture. Now, Some of us may hear this and wonder, well, how does that work? 
I mean, in the Old Testament, uh, Jesus' name isn't, isn't even mentioned. And that is a, a fair and an important question uh, to ask and to consider. Uh, and Dr. Brian Chappell offers a very helpful explanation in the introduction to the ESV Gospel Transformation Study Bible. And I'll summarize that for us here. A helpful first step in understanding how Christ is central to Scripture is to step back and see the big picture of the Bible. One way to summarize this big picture is by using the framework creation, fall, redemption, consummation. Genesis 1 through 2, God created all things good. But in Genesis 3, Adam's fall brought sin and death. But God is at work to redeem creation and his people. And we see consummation promised in passages like Revelation 21 when the work of redemption will be complete after Jesus returns to restore his people and all of this world to perfection. When um, <clears throat> creation, fall, redemption, consummation, that is the big picture. And with that in place, we need to look again at the third element of our big picture. We need to look again at redemption. You see, in Genesis chapter 3, we read of Adam's fall into sin. But in that very same chapter, in Genesis 3 verse 15, God makes an incredible promise. He says to the enemy who attempted Adam and Eve, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. What God is saying in this verse is he is promising here to redeem his people by sending a rescuer who will do battle with and crush the enemy. In other words, God has just set the stage for redemption, for the great rescue mission to save his people from their sin. And the rest of the true story of scripture is played out on this redemptive stage. The rest of scripture tells the story of redemption. And Jesus is the star of this true story. Jesus is the Savior who God promised to send in Genesis 3.15. Dr. Dr. Chapel puts it this way, Jesus is the chief and culminating figure on this stage. The stage is set for him. All that transpires on the stage relates to him, and we do not fully understand anything on the stage until we have identified its relation to him. And so while Jesus' name is not explicitly mentioned in every single passage, Dr. Chapel goes on and says, every text relates some aspect of God's redeeming grace that finds its fullest expression in Christ. Jesus is the star in the Bible's true story of redemption. Christ is central to the scriptures. A few years ago, I decided I was going to sit down and pick up uh, one of my favorite authors' uh, famous works, The Silmarillion. Now, some of you may have heard of this book. It's written by J.R.R. Tolkien. And it, it basically tells the story of what happened before and after the famous books we've all heard of, The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. So I was very excited to sit down and read this book. But I got to tell you, the, the first shot I took at it, I did not make it through. <laughs> I just had a real hard time getting into the story. Uh, but I was very thankful because, you know, I set it aside for a few months and then I came back to it. And as I read through it a second time, it, it just started to click. And I could not put that book down. 
And now whenever I'll be talking with someone who, is, who happens to appreciate works by Tolkien, I'll be like, oh, have you read The Silmarillion? Oh, you, you should read it and, and give it a chance because it'll take a little time to get into, but you'll love it. I, I just can't find myself helping but, but to share this, this work with other people. And I pray... I pray that the truth that Christ is central to the scriptures will do a similar thing for us this year. I pray that as we see more clearly the big picture of the Bible, the one beautiful true story with Jesus as the starring hero, that it will be harder and harder for us to put the scriptures down. That we will have a greater love for God and his word as we see the story unfold of his love for us and of his unbreakable will to redeem us from sin and give us life in Christ. And that we will also find ourselves longing more and more to share this story with other people. To commend its truth to others. I also pray this. I also pray that that God will enable us to see more clearly how scripture truly does point to Jesus. Uh, sometimes it will jump out at us. Uh, like, for example, when there is a clear prediction about Jesus in the Old Testament. For example, in Isaiah chapter 9, when he's called the Prince of Peace. Or other times it's more clear when we see a clear result of his work. For example, when we're told that we are justified by faith in Christ. But there are other times when we're, we're going to need to pause uh, for a little deeper reflection. Uh, and right now, I just want to share a very simple tool to help us on that reflection process. Uh, this tool is adapted from the study Bible I told you about, and it comes in the form of two questions. Questions that uh, Dr. Chappell describes as being like a pair of reading glasses. So kids, let me ask you a quick question. Have, have, you, have you ever seen someone take a pair of glasses or, or some binoculars to see something more clearly? Y'all ever seen that? Yeah, so this tool I'm about to give you, it's what uh, is, is described as like a pair of reading glasses. So that as we look at the Bible, we can see Jesus more clearly. So we can understand how Jesus is central to the scriptures. So are you ready to put these glasses on as we read the Bible? Okay. Uh, here are the questions. Lens number one. What does this passage reveal about God's nature? Lens number two. What does this passage reveal about humanity's need? So let me expand on that slightly for just a moment. What does this passage reveal about the nature of God who provides redemption? What is it showing us? And question two, what does this passage reveal about the nature of humanity and our need for God's grace that we receive through Jesus? So to sum it up, what does this passage reveal about God and what does it reveal about people? Kids, I want you to remember these questions. I want you to metaphorically stick them in your pocket. Next time you go to read the Bible, I want you to take them out. I want you to put them on and use these to help us see more clearly how Christ is central to this true story of redemption that we find in the Bible. Well, we've seen how Christ is central to Scripture. And as we read the Bible, we also see that Christ is central to the Christian life. And Christ is central to the Christian life because he is our Savior. And because we are called to imitate him in our own lives. We are called to be like him. And there are many places in the New Testament where we could turn to see this truth. And one of those is in the passage we read earlier this morning in Matthew chapter 20. There in verse 28, Jesus speaks of how he came into this world to be a servant. 
a servant who ultimately gave his own life on the cross to redeem, to, to rescue his people. And he calls us to imitate his life of service. Now, we need to be careful when we think about imitating Jesus. Uh, on the one hand, that we need to remember that while Jesus is our example, he is also much more than that. Uh, he wasn't simply a wise teacher we should emulate. He is our teacher, and we should emulate him. And he is also our savior. He is also our king. So we need to be careful that we never reduce Jesus to simply being a, a good role model. He is our model for life, but he is also much, much more than just that. We also need to recognize that there are some things that Jesus did that none of us could or ever should try to imitate. And this passage actually gives us a key example. Jesus speaks here of doing something specific that none of us could ever do ourselves because none of us is able to give our life to save ourselves or others from sin. Only Jesus can do this. So we need to have a, a guardrail, as it were, in place where we are on the lookout to recognize when Jesus does something that we should not try uh, to imitate. For the things where it's like, don't try this at home. This is for Jesus only. On the other hand, we do need to also see that there are many ways that we are called to imitate Christ. And in verses 26 through 27, uh, he calls us to a life of service on behalf, on behalf of others. And he makes it crystal clear that we are imitating him when we serve. When he says in verse 28, even as the Son of Man came to serve. So to paraphrase what Jesus is saying here, he says, I want you to imitate my life of service by serving others. His life, it serves as a pattern we imitate. The details of our service will sometimes look a little different. Like in this passage where we don't repeat Jesus' specific act of dying for sin. But the pattern of service remains as we seek to imitate his life of service. So part of how Christ is central to the Christian life is that we are called to imitate him. And this calling, this is actually an incredible and joyous gift. Uh, because rather than leaving us to stumble around, God is giving us a script for the stage of life. A path that we can follow on our journey as we seek to imitate our Lord in our own lives. Now, that might sound a little abstract or, or, or vague, but if we take a minute to think about it, it actually becomes very concrete and very practical very, very quickly. Because in a world, just as an example, in a world that often tells us to, to follow your own heart, God keeps us from stumbling around by showing us instead that rather than follow our own wayward and unsteady hearts, we are to imitate Jesus instead. And this gives us a very practical starting point for taking the yearnings and the thoughts that we have in our, in our hearts and bringing them to Scripture to see how do they need to be realigned or synchronized with the loves and with the priorities of Jesus. Now, additionally, I, I'm not saying that in itself, the call to imitate Jesus automatically gives us every detail for how we are to spend our time. The big picture call doesn't automatically tell us which specific job to pursue or which school to attend, but the big picture call to imitate Jesus gives us the big picture path. 
And then as we dig deep into his word, he gives us the principles and the wisdom for following Jesus that help us to fill in those more specific details, often while seeking the counsel of other godly believers. This call is a gift, and it is also a challenge, but it's the good kind of challenge. You see, to answer this call to imitate Jesus, we will need to continue learning, well, what does that actually look like? And to do that, we will need to actually be in his word, the whole word, learning more and more about this one that we are called to follow. So let's ask that the Lord would give us a heart this year to dig into his word each day and to shape our lives so that we individually and as a family of believers are equipped to imitate Jesus more and more in our lives. As we, as we come to a close, uh, let's never forget why or how we imitate Jesus. So right now, I've, over the last few weeks, I've had the privilege of helping to be an assistant coach on a uh, recreational basketball team uh, for, for kids in our community. And my daughter's on the team. And one of the things I try to do as a coach is to help them overcome bad reflexes. So for example, oftentimes you'll see them get the ball and they'll start to dribble and they're running down the court and their eyes are just glued to the basketball. If you've ever seen you know, new players uh, play the game or you've tried it yourself, you know that this is just an automatic reflex. I gotta see this ball so it'll come back to my hand. And one thing I try to do as a coach is to help them break that bad reflex by basically telling them, hey, as you're dribbling ball, keep your head up, keep your eyes off the ball, don't look at it. It'll come back to your hand. And if it doesn't, you'll practice and get better. But as Christians, we actually can have very similar bad reflexes. Uh, We can suffer from a similar bad reflex as we seek to imitate Jesus because it is easy to slip into the bad reflex of believing that we imitate Jesus in order to earn God's love or to keep his love. And that how we imitate Jesus is by our own strength. So that is why it is so important for us to keep our heads up and our eyes on the big picture of Scripture. To be reminded that it is God's grace shown to us ultimately in Jesus that gives us the reason for why we imitate Jesus and how we do it. And in the big picture of the Bible, we learn that we imitate Jesus not to earn his love, but in response to the love God has already shown us. And we see this in Romans 5, chapter 10, verse 10, where it tells us that God saved us not after we had gotten really good at imitating Jesus. No, he saved us while we were still his enemies. In 1 John 4, 19, it again makes it clear that we love God. And one way we do this is by imitating, seeking to imitate Jesus. We love God because God first loved us. And so it is clear that we never imitate Jesus to earn God's love, but in a response to the love that God has freely and graciously given us in Christ. And God has sent the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to live in the heart of all who believe in him. That's how we're able to do it. It's by the power of his Spirit. We are able to grow in our love of Christ, who is central to Scripture, And we are also able to grow in our effort to love him in return as we strive to imitate Christ, who is central to the Christian life. Let's thank him for these things and ask for his help to do that now. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you uh, that you don't leave us alone in life to try and figure it out all by ourselves, to try to wonder where we fit in or what your word is all about. Lord, thank you that you have spoken to us and you have made it clear that your son is central to your word and that he is central to our lives. 
And so we ask, Father, that this year and every year, you would help us to see that truth more clearly and that you would help us to follow you more faithfully because we love you more deeply, because you have shown us such incredible love through your Son. And Father, we ask that you would help us then to go and share that good news with anyone who will listen. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.